Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. Our second scripture lesson comes from the Gospel of John. John chapter 4, verses 5 to 42. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket. And the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you you, you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews." But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am He the one who is speaking to you. Just then, his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. 
So the disciples said to one another, surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from the city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My friends, the woman went to the well because she was thirsty, but she didn't just need a sip of water. Do you know what I mean by that? As she walks into our second scripture lesson, Encountering Jesus, all that we need to know about her is encapsulated in one subtle detail. Our second scripture lesson began. Jesus came to a Samaritan city, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. Therefore, we know that Jesus shows up at the well when the sun is at its highest point. The sun is beating down. It's hot and he's thirsty. Who else was there? No one. Why? Well, think about it. In a world without indoor plumbing, everyone goes to this well early in the morning or after the sun has set. It's cooler that way. Plus, people need water for, for baths and breakfast. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup, but you can't have Folgers in your cup without water from the well. Everyone in town goes to the well early in the morning, yet as Jesus comes to the well at noon, sun beating down, he's hot, tired, and thirsty. Here comes this woman who is thirsty too. But my friends, the woman goes to the well because she's thirsty, yet she needs more than just a sip of water. Do you know what I mean by that? If all she needed from the world was water, there would have been a bucket full in her house already. She would have gone to the well when her community gathered at the well in the cool of the morning. It wasn't the cool of the morning when she walked up and found Jesus there. It was noon. Why was she going to the well at noon? It's because she's thirsty, but she doesn't just need a sip of water. She also wants acceptance from the world. And because she goes to the well at noon, we know she doesn't have it. Imagine her 
showing up before the sun rose and the cool of the morning. That's when everyone in the town went to the well. If you go to the town well at noon, it's because every time you showed up there in the morning, someone said something that it hurt you too much to ever hear again. I can see her walking up to the well in the cool of the morning and overhearing a conversation between the ladies of the town. One said to the other, did you hear that it didn't work out so well with her last husband? No, Gladys, I hadn't heard that. And that was her fourth one. Oh, I heard it was her fifth. And who is she living with now? I don't know the man's name, but they're not even married. Can you believe it? You must be thirsty to walk into that kind of environment. You'd have to be dying of thirst to go to that well and face such gossip day after day. Me, myself, I'd rather lay down on my back with my mouth open and just pray for rain rather than face a community like that one. Can you imagine how she was feeling? Do you know what it's like to be thirsty, but to be thirsty for more than just a sip of water? If you've ever been the new kid at school, then you probably know what it's like. Think of going to the well in the morning as walking out into the playground at recess. The new kid at school wants to play basketball with the kids who play basketball. Or maybe she tries to fit in with the group looking for four-leaf clovers out in the field. I don't know if kids do either of these things at recess anymore. I'm just making stuff up. But I do know that every child knows the feeling of trying to break into a group that's already been formed. And if you've tried to break in and have been rejected too many times, you stop trying. To save yourself from the pain of rejection, you go to the well at noon instead of in the morning. You sit with the teachers during recess instead of trying to get the boys to pass you the ball on the basketball court. You feel the sun beating down so you feel thirsty, but you don't just need a sip of water. You need something else. How many here know that feeling? At one time or another, we've all felt it. I remember being the new kid at Hickory Hills Elementary School. I was eight years old. My parents sent me down the street to wait on the school bus, school bus number 8903. Miss Elrod was our bus driver. Do you know the feeling of walking onto a school bus for the very first time? Who do you know? Where will you sit? Your muscles tense up, your throat grits dry. Do you know the feeling of being thirsty for more than just a sip of water? That's what this woman was feeling. She had felt that feeling so often. Thirsty is who this woman was. She had walked from the back of the bus and back to the front of the bus without finding a place to sit so many times that she told her mom and dad, I think I'll just walk to school from now on. And somewhere along the way, she met a man who could read that desperation on her face and knew what to do about it. It's noon. 
Jesus is at the well. Here comes this woman, thirsty for far more than a sip of water, and what does Jesus do? Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Did he even say please? If he did, it's not in there. What's the magic word, Jesus? Nope, that's not how it went. Give me a drink, he says to the woman. Shouldn't Jesus be the one who, who gives her something? Shouldn't Jesus be giving her acceptance, forgiveness, love, respect? Instead, Jesus said to her, the Bible doesn't even say that Jesus asked her. Jesus just said to her, give me a drink. What do you make of that? If this passage of Scripture sounds a little crazy to you, then I'm doing a good job as your preacher this morning because it is a little bit crazy. The gospel should always sound a little bit crazy to us because Jesus is, is a message that only the Savior of the world could deliver. His is a word that only he could speak. He is doing something new among us by saying to the victim, give me a drink. For sometimes when we treat the victim like she's helpless, we push her deeper into victimization. Sometimes when we give too much to people, treating them as though they were helpless, we perpetuate a cycle that leaves them in a worse position than they were in to begin with. Sometimes when we do something for people when they need to do for themselves, they never discover the strength that is inside them. So when Jesus says to this woman, thirsty for far more than just a sip of water, give me a drink, I want you to hear in his voice the words of President John F. Kennedy. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I want you to hear the words of Mr. Fred Rogers, who asked a man dying to pray for him. I want you to hear the reminder that sometimes those who are looking for the world to give them acceptance need to stop asking the world for it. They need to see that they never needed the acceptance of the world in the first place. Give me a drink, he said. Which is a funny thing to ask of a person who was widely pitied and never needed. Give me a drink. Is a funny thing to request from a woman who everybody talked about but no one wanted to be seen with. Give me a drink is the most countercultural thing the Savior of the world could have said, the most unnatural thing that Jesus could have requested. But what do we know about Jesus? We know that if Jesus wanted some water, he could have spoken the words and the heavens would have opened and poured down all the rain that he wanted. We know that he could have turned that spring into a fountain of the finest wine. We know that he could have walked on the water from that well. Yet instead, he said to the woman, who the community saw as having nothing to give, give me a drink. And suddenly, she was the source of something that the king of kings needed. Friends, I want you to hear something out of my mouth. 
loud and clear. Right here, Jesus is showing us what it means to have abundant life. He is teaching us a lesson that the world is not teaching us. By saying to this woman, give me a drink, he is showing us that sometimes the way to heal the brokenhearted is by seeing what they have to give. I heard about it once from a pastor. A pastor went to visit a woman who had lost her beloved husband. She was brokenhearted and had turned inward. She rarely left the home. She was angry at God for taking him away. She was angry at the church for not supporting her more. She was angry at her family for not coming around. She was angry at her husband for dying on her. The pastor went to her house and she led him to the sun porch in the back. She, she sat him down, went into the kitchen to fetch him a cup of tea. While she was in the kitchen, the pastor looked around the sun porch and saw that the sun porch was like a, like a jungle, a jungle of African violets. You know anything about African violets? I had one once and I killed it in about two weeks. The sun has to be right. You have to water them right. But if you can get it right, then they grow and they multiply. So if you know what you're doing, you can wind up with the sun porch full of African violets. And this woman knew what she was doing. The pastor drank the tea. Then he said to her, may I have one? She thought about it, wrote down the care instructions on a scrap piece of paper then reluctantly gave that pastor one of her African violets. Strangely enough, it made her feel good to see him smile. A week later, the pastor called this woman to report that the African violet she had given him was still alive. In fact, it was blooming. And there was another woman in the church who had just lost her husband. Would she consider sending this newly widowed church member an African violet to care for? She dropped it at the front door of this newly widowed woman's house with care instructions written on a scrap piece of paper. And it felt so good to her that the next day she read through the obituaries in the local paper and delivered an African violet with care instructions to every widow or widower in that small town. Why did she do it? Because every time she gave a violet away, her own grief started to lift. For it is not always by receiving that we are healed. Sometimes, sometimes, it is by giving a drink to those who thirst that our own thirst is quenched. This woman at the well was thirsty, but she was thirsty for more than a sip of water. 
How was it that she went from being the woman who went to the well at noon at the beginning of our scripture lesson to being the evangelist at the end who, leaving her water jar behind, rushed into her town, the town that had rejected her, proclaiming to the community, come and see a man who has told me everything that I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? I'll tell you. Jesus showed her how to quench her thirst, how to never be thirsty again. For it is by giving that we receive. It is by pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is by dying that we are freed from shame and born to eternal life. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.